Welcome to the Reimagine Mobility podcast series. I'm here with Thomas Bach from Porsche. Hello and thanks for joining us. Maybe to start out with, before we together figure out how we as an industry and we as individuals reimagine mobility here and maybe also globally, share a little bit what your responsibility are at Porsche and what your specific group is really doing. Okay, a pleasure. Thank you for having me and it's exciting to talk about the industry as, as always on that part. I've been with Porsche almost three years and I actually with Porsche Digital, which is a fully owned subsidiary of Porsche AG in Germany. We are helping our company uh, move into the digital age that our customers are seamless connected to our cars and experience the services and application they use in their home on their phone, also in our uh, awesome cars on that part. Uh, I'm leading the engineering team uh, of one of our locations in Palo Alto. It's one of 11 locations worldwide. We're always looking in each uh, market what are the customers are using and adapt that. And we are developing products worldwide for uh, our Porsche brand, as well as talking to the rest of the VW group and can integrate those brands as well with our ideas. Very good. Perfect. So let's start out, out right out with what right now everybody in industry is talking about and how much the Chinese OEMs have progressed specifically with in-vehicle infotainment, right? We know that they're made tremendous strides in battery technology and vehicle design and vehicle technologies, many, many new brands. But one thing that we also see in our activities in, in China and in Europe where some of those cars are now coming is how much they have evolved and how much technology they have jammed into, let's use that word, jammed into their vehicles. What what does Porsche see with this? Is this something that the Chinese market is really only demanding? Is this not something Europe and the US maybe wants? Or is this just something that they just came out with because they're much more technology, not necessarily demanding, but accepting, but maybe a US and European customer is different. But Share a little bit how you at Porsche see that development over the last few years. Yeah, so I'm talking mostly in terms of, of course, working for Porsche, but also my personal professional opinion on, on those things, which should align with Porsche, but not necessarily <laughs> always overlapping on that part. Uh, I think we are looking not only on the Chinese part, but uh, in general, the, the new OEMs that came out over the last decade, and especially one <laughs> close in Palo Alto, uh, on Tesla side, they, they had a, a green field in terms of starting up from nothing, don't have a legacy system and can build their whole own software stack or even like the hardware stack that they have the freedom and think about things like over the updatability, customer user experience centric systems from the beginning where we as traditional OEMs have always the legacy systems we are bringing in and, and trying to accommodate what we did before as the new ones on that part. So, and what we are looking is in terms of, of course, our drivers love, love to drive our cars and we wanted to have the convenience also to, to use any services on that part. And this is specifically, we looked at uh, what are people using in the US specifically, but because that's where we located and uh, a good two-thirds of our customers are in the Apple ecosystem and love using CarPlay in our car because it's a simplicity interface and they can do the function they need to do while driving our cars in terms of 
telephony, messaging, navigation, music part, which is the essential part what people are using in the car and, and making an, an easy access to that. Uh, and we have recently uh, launched a couple of products on that side in terms of also offering besides the the Apple templates on that side, which is said music and navigation, about offering also vehicle interfaces that they can easily adapt while driving on Apple Maps to work, listening to a Spotify playlist. They can also like, I, I want to change my ambient light. I want to change my sound settings for this and have an easy interface in the one system and making this customable. And this is a nice thing where we, as I said earlier, the other OEMs have an advantage uh, on over-the-air updatability, but everything from our side lives on the phone and the phone is easy updatable. Every two weeks we roll out a new version of the app and every time we can adapt to what people like, what people don't like, make it a personalization. People can look in the phone and say, like, I like this only, I don't need to have this on the access on the menu and, and can customize to their liking the stuff. Very easy on that part. And we're trying to bridge the gap between the long cycles of developing an OEM platform and bringing this very quickly uh, to the customers, getting feedback uh, on that part. Uh, so, so you're talking, you bring up a great point. Apple CarPlay, there's Android Auto, and then there's obviously also the likes of GM that has, says we're going to abandon this and going to do our own interface, right? What, what do you see ultimately is a differentiator for an OEM with those technologies? Either if you go, do you have to go custom or do you not want to go custom because that makes maybe the support with new phones more difficult? Or where ultimately is the, the piece of where the differentiation comes in for an OEM when everybody's doing uh, either using the same, again, Android Auto or Apple CarPlay or going to do their own? Do you have to do your own to be able to differentiate? Do you not want to do it? What is your perspective on that? I think from my personal opinion is is the ease of access of things that you differentiate yourself. It's yes, you can use a platform like Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, but you want to customize it to your needs and to your brand image in terms of that 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 fits or like, but then in terms of making it easy for the customer in terms of using the services and, and update the services on that part. And that is a good platform Apple as well as Google provide and you we're building on top of that. And if you do it on your own, it's a tremendous effort to build the platform on your own. And then you can leverage on the other side in terms of a lot of developers know iOS or Android on that part and can help develop stuff. If you do your platform on your own, you are mostly restricted to the developer you have in-house. And it it is difficult. <laughs> One of my former employers, Mercedes, they did it on their own in terms of that part. And they built a great system with MBUX in terms of, but it was a tremendous effort on their side. And I personally have my doubts if GM can stem this and surprise seeing them abandoning CarPlay because... A lot of times people are not buying a car because it has CarPlay. It's the other way around. They're not buy the car because it does not have CarPlay. It's a factor in it, what we see, and that's what we invest in making this a customer choice and either using our onboard system, which is still there, or they can use CarPlay or Android Auto on that side. Oh. They're liking. 
Okay. If we go for a moment to connected services, right? I mean, we've, we've been taught, I mean, I've personally been involved with telematics, so the early onset of connected vehicle, okay, 15 years ago. Uh, then that maybe the, the name telematics was more like with associated with fleets and fleet tracking, and now it's more much more generic term, like mobility is a generic term, connected services. Where do you guys specifically feel like, as we reimagine mobility, connected services are going next? I know today is already what you've talked about with the smartphone being updated and new features and function essentially available to the driver on a daily basis. We're talking over-the-air update capabilities. We're talking in EVs. I can figure out where do I go for my next charging station that's free, that's working, etc. But what's the next thing we're going to? What is the next push that we're going into with connected services? I think on that side, it is a lot of from the cloud integration that the software that lives in your car lives the same way on the cloud and connects their two services where you can easily uh, update, switch out services. Like I have a data provider for service X. Either it's like, I don't like it anymore. The data is not good. I can switch this easily out in the cloud in terms of now a different provider provides this data with the same API to the car and it is seamlessly integrated. I can switch this out or can go out of business and then more offerings on the other part that you can easily integrate this. And data from the car is also reported back to the back end, to the cloud in terms of seeing the usage of systems in the car. What do our customers like, what they don't like, how often do they use things on that part? And then getting the feedback and analytics out of this and using this in terms of, oh, we built this feature, but nobody's using it. And looking at why, why nobody's using it? Is this not working or is it? because people don't use it. And then we can easily uh, we remove this easily and without having really an over-the-air update is basically more a configuration side on the bike. Things are just not showing up anymore because it, the vehicle that lives in the cloud, it, that configuration has changed on that part. And of course, we rely and have been long in the industry always connectivity with the next generation. So I started here, the 1G was around and then 2G also was 3G is going to solve it, and 4G is going to solve it, and 5G is going to solve it. We will always have gaps in communication, and this is what uh, Google has done with Google Docs. You can work offline and online, and this is very seamless. Nobody really sees what's happening under the hood, that things are synchronized once we have connectivity, and that experience has to be from the start. You build a system that those things are working and not oh, you don't have connectivity, you see an endless spin now or something not working, or I'm waiting for the download. I knew that should not happen in that part and that seamless part that the car synchronizes with the backend. I think that's still evolving on that part. Okay. You brought up a great point. I made that point the other day. You know, when I first started, 1G, 2G was like, oh, wow, you know, we can do so much, but we really need 3G. Then 3G came, oh, my gosh, you know, we can't do everything we need for. Uh, you know, now we have five, you know, and six is going to be next, so whatever is going to come next. Do we really need more than 5G, Thomas, or, or it's this In just... terms of, I think, bandwidth and uh, latency, I, I think that is sufficient if you don't have, if you have the 
service. Sometimes you drive somewhere and you don't have the service, so you can't neither on that part. And we are talking telematics, infotainment systems. I've also worked on ADAS and autonomous driving systems that collect petabyte of data, and you don't want to move that over that network. You always want to have some other strategies of getting that data off. So that's still a different game in terms of a different challenge on that part, getting that data off. But I think for anything what we do on the telematics infotainment side, it is sufficient when we when the coverage is there. We have done some tests also on, on vehicle-to-vehicle technology. I, I've been also involved in the early days when we developed DSRC prototypes on that part in, in the early 2000s, showed up what, what we can do between vehicles communicating, vehicles with the infrastructure communicating. And now uh, it's a push on the cellular V2X on the, based on the 5G technology, and it is working. And we have built some prototypes where we can say like, hey, we can get warnings in our cars through the systems with very, very low latencies on that part. So uh, I think that's, as I said earlier, it takes always a little bit time to get those things into the car, into the platform or on that part. Man. Those things are coming, so. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at it, again, you work at Porsche Digital, right? So when we take for a moment a car, right? And I think it used to be years ago, I don't have statistics, but years ago it was you bought it because it was either a brand, a Porsche or a Mercedes that you mentioned, or a GM that you liked, or it was the, the type of engine that was in it. So not necessarily design, but maybe the type of engine. I feel like over the last several years, it's more and more come into, you know, what type of technology do you have in the car? So when, when you at Porsche and you yourself with your company look at it, how much has the digital part of an automotive vehicle, of a mobility device, changed in importance from the consumer perspective to make a decision to, to, to buy a Porsche versus another vehicle? How, how has that changed over the last, let's say, three or five years? And what most importantly, as we reimagine uh, mobility, how do you see that changing going forward? Yeah. I've been only three years with Porsche, and of course, I pulled over those cars before on that part. When we're looking at the sports cars, the 718s and 911s, uh, and also the Taycans, where the Taycan is a little bit the, the bridge between those pure sports car and also having an entertainment system, <laughs> infotainment system in there. Where, so there's a couple of camps in terms of that we would love to drive the car. They've taken out their 911 on the road, on the track, and, and drive it. So the importance of the digital integration is not because that's not why, why they're buying the car. But at the end, basically, they're bringing their phone. They want to make a call. They want to receive something. They need to navigate something. That has to work simply on that part. What I mentioned, so that we don't want to make a compromise on that and it has to be the latest and greatest state-of-the-art technology in that. On the other hand, on, on the other SUV or also the Taycan platform where you drive with a family and that thing, there the demand in terms of having different music services, having different entertainment services for the passenger display or for the backseat on that part, that becomes tremendous important for the current and next generation that coming up and, and growing up with the, I have two teenagers too, like they, they can't live without their phone and with it being connected and to their friends and seeing stuff. And that has to be 
then also the, the car platform capable of serving them on that part in a safe way, of course, like <laughs> not distracting the driver. Or... Yeah. Thomas, you mentioned before you worked on ADAS systems, you worked on a lot of different types of technologies. What is it that you're looking at now in this in this role you've been now with for the last three years in, again, in the digital space, right? And you're looking back and with all the things and all the areas you've worked in, what has surprised you the most on how either how far the industry or the technology has come or how different uh, technologies have let's say, manifested itself than what you envisioned? When I started a long time ago in the automotive industry, those topics we discussed earlier in terms of updatability and flexible software were still around. I, I was out of college and we, we did stuff in terms of we have a component-based architecture and we can switch out this feature when uploading this. And we did prototypes on that part as well as in terms of bridging the gap between the consumer electronic industry where every phone is updated every six months a year and having this bridge on the rug. And surprisingly, being for five years or so gone out of the infotainment telematics world in the ADAS world, coming back there, things have been not as progressed as I would love to see it in terms of having the platform flexible, universal, that you can upgrade your hardware, even like in terms of sometimes basically the cars are 15 plus years on the road and would be a great idea in terms of like we can upgrade your hardware without impacting any system, that they are standardized on that way. That is a long process on that part. It's like it's in the early days, we always talked about that the PC is a standard and like you, you swap, swap the PC out, you still run your same applications on it, but they run better and, and faster on that part. And this is, I think, still missing in the car industry in that you can easily replace or upgrade the hardware without compromising on anything because platforms and architectures keep changing on that part. So it is difficult on that part. I understand this. But achieving a universal platform across the industry is some vision maybe, like having a PC or a Mac system on that part, but that, that is hard to do because there's a lot of IP involved in terms of running the system. And then it, it says, if you go to the ADA system, that's really safety and critical element that has to be developed with that in mind. And then safety foremost, the platform it has to be reliable on that part. So that it is tricky to have both worlds and combine them. Yeah, yeah. I think we would probably all agree that going forward, the vehicle will not suddenly become a much less complex and less technology-focused device. It probably will continue to increase, right? And we've seen a tremendous increase, as we just talked about, infotainment, telematics, connected services, ADAS, soon, hopefully, or soon for sure, at some level of autonomous driving capability, cloud connectivity, AI, on and on and on and on. What do you see as the biggest challenges for our industry or for mobility as a whole? When we talk passenger vehicles for a moment, what do you see the biggest challenge with even more and more technology coming into a vehicle and making the vehicle even even more complex than it already is today? What do you see as, as the main, whatever, one to three different challenges as we, again, reimagine mobility as it's going to look like maybe in, in five or 10 years? I think I'm always personally a fan of keeping it simple in terms of like that in terms of again I want to avoid this complexity that those 
new services, new connectivity stuff. Again, that in terms of putting my SAE hat on in terms of working with them, driving standard that those things can easily be exchanged and not I come up with yet another new standard, another new standard and my own standard and, and things get then complex. I need to build adapters and then things are not working together. I think that's the challenge in terms of making things interchangeable and interoperability on, on that part while keeping the platform that runs the system and really the compute platform simple as well as having a network in the car that it is properly working and connects to the different system that's I in the car on that part. But how? When, when you look at, and again, I go back to what, what we experience when we work with Chinese OEM uh, to some degree is very much a an acceptance of over-the-air updates, not a problem, do it as many times as you need. I like the technology. When I then kind of take people I know and in, in our industry, at least in the U.S., right, there's much more of a hesitancy and it every time seems like when you read about uh, in the news about an over-the-air update, people say, oh my gosh, this is bad. Look how bad my car is. It needs an over-the-air update. So a totally different mentality. One is giving me more features and yeah, maybe fix a few bucks, which every car has. We all know that. And on the other side, it's such an afraid and such a bad thing. You don't want to hear about over-the-air updates because that means something was wrong and something's bad. Where do you see the future of over-the-air updates? Is it something that the consumer is going to be used like he's on a, on a smartphone? Is it always going to be different from culture or region to region? Or, or where do you see that as a, as, a, as a driving force for change in the mobility? There's definitely a regional Europe versus Asia versus Americas, a different view on things in terms of technology and, and the use of cars. What what my personal opinion is in terms of people need to accept software is not a fixed thing in terms of I develop software, it goes into the car, I never need to touch it again. Software is a living and breathing thing. Sometimes you need to prune it up in terms of like that, new things grow again in terms of you need to update this and those over the updates should not be viewed in terms of oh my system has a bug no it's like it's the constant update of new things old things go away and you remove those old things that those things is living and breathing and i don't want to be necessarily notified i got an over the update now things are naturally happening and then evolving under the hood so to speak in car terms, that it is like, hey, the things are, I constantly see things are improving, things are growing, things are living here. I get new services and all the services like, oh, go away a little bit because they are not being used anymore and working like. And the same time, I would not the mentality of fixing bugs with over the air update in terms of like keeping your system healthy and alive on that part in terms of this mentality, uh, bring this into the people's mind instead of fixing bugs and I, I never recall and it's like this is where I think the, the automotive industry gets always a bad rap and it's always a recall on so many vehicles like no this is just a natural thing that you are updating the car right on true the... two more questions for you Thomas one what's the single most technology related item but that it... you're most excited about over the next five years to hit the automotive space it's not necessarily the automotive space. I think you you mentioned earlier it is where do we go with the generative AI and on that part, like what does it bring in terms of 
how much software is developed with that, how much people asking it, how's the answers. And I'm a little bit afraid of those are people taking everything what an AI answers. Like, oh, this is a fact. And to bridge that gap again in terms of keeping this, this is has to be checked on some way in terms of not don't believe everything what they do and don't believe you're asking your preferred platform for AI and then you can, I, I take this, they just wrote me the code for this and everything is working. It's like to find the right checks and balances for, for that part and not on the automotive industry in it, I think on the technology industry in general on that part. Yeah, yeah. definitely a very big, big challenge that, that we're all facing as, a, as an industry and as a, as, a, as a world as a whole, right, so to speak. Very good. And last question for you in the last few minutes. What's going to be the next car you're going to buy, Thomas, and why? So I'm looking forward. My car is this part of what we're doing to excite the customers. We can track our shipment, where my car is. And so my Taycan is somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. And hopefully after Thanksgiving, I have an electric Taycan back in my driveway on that part in terms of like, my kids are like, I, I, I had an ice car and combustion engine car before. Like, it's like, we not electric. Like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, sorry. Next one was then a hybrid one, which is the Cayenne on that part, which is exciting. It gets me to work and back home on one charge. So I rarely use gas. And the kids are like, hey, why do we get an electric one? And they, awesome. they really you like anything to the pressure. That's good. I like it. Yeah. That's a good, good choice. It's going to be a fun car to drive, I'm sure. So very good. Thomas, thank you so much for your thank perspective you, that of your company on how we and how you reimagine mobility and, and with your background. Fantastic and very enlightening. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank Exciting. You. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.